0: you might have seen that we have two new furry friends here at St. Mike's. Bunnies are back. (laughs) These new bunnies are named Lucy and Ethel. They are really cute. They're very active. They're only eight months old, so I think that probably contributes to their activity. But they're hopping all around. They jump on everything. They're really, really fun and interactive but they are a little bit shy around people. So just know that they're sweet, but shy. When I was a kid, I was very shy. I I used to hide behind my parents' legs whenever a stranger would come up and talk to them. If I was at home, I'd sneak away to my room or to the backyard where the comforts of nature assuaged my social anxiety. One of the things that made me uncomfortable was how strange smelly adults would give us hugs or kisses and say how cute my brother and I were. Ugh. Later this repugnance at unwanted attention morphed into an inability to accept compliments. Whether it was from academic performance in high school or praise for musical performance from drunken frat guys and sorority girls in college i found it hard to accept people's praise maybe it was because i was shy or maybe i didn't find compliments helpful for improvement or maybe it was i just didn't believe what they were saying i still find it hard to accept good news i'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop as a priest, I know I am not alone in that. I know because it's been 2,000 years since Jesus announced this good news, and most of us here in the church still don't accept it. Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, and says, Mark, good News, What is this good news? Ask some of my evangelical and reformed friends, and they will instantly jump to a line they have likely memorized and really never heard. Jesus died for our sins. Spit it up. If that were true, how was it that Jesus proclaimed that news at the beginning of his ministry. No, the good news was and is that God is with us, including that Jesus died for our sins bit, but God is with us. Or as Jesus says, today the kingdom of God has come near. We get the whole God with us thing, that Emmanuel peace, that Christmas celebration, God is with us. Em anu el, in Hebrew. Jesus, that divine presence in human form. Now, in Epiphany, Jesus is telling us more and more about what that means. Today, Jesus broadens the God with us story to the kingdom of heaven. Theologian and Old Testament scholar, Rolf Jacobson, says that the kingdom of God is where the will of God has taken hold. I like that. But there are some important things we need to add to it. So Mark is writing about the kingdom of heaven in stark contrast with the kingdoms of man. And here I'm using the word man to specifically highlight the kingdoms that have been planned, executed, and dominated by male human beings over the course of history. Shout out to the women's marches again. (laughs) So great to see some change, to feel the potential for change. The kingdom of heaven in Mark is in stark contrast to unjust kingdoms that deny or contort the truth, kingdoms that are self-seeking. We don't know any of those, do we? In Jesus' time, the Roman Empire was certainly a great example During the great Jewish revolt against Roman rule in 66 to 70 of the Common Era, an estimated one million Jews were killed, Judeans. One million. The power of empire. To say nothing of Nero feeding Christians to wild animals or using their burning bodies to light Rome at night. The power of emperor, empire. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is not like that. The kingdom of God is not imperialistic. It's more like the UN. Or something that everybody joins. Rather than being a kingdom of domination, the kingdom of God is one of invitation. That is precisely what we see here in the gospel today. Jesus invites others to part- participate in God's kingdom. So in John's gospel, Jesus does everything and witnesses marvel, right? We kind of, we've seen that periodically in the last couple of weeks. But in Mark's gospel, Jesus is inviting people to help out, to be part of it saying the kingdom is about living into a shared experience, living into our interdependence. This week, I listened to this podcast on biomimicry. I was talking about how um, in Japan, when they started developing the, the bullet trains, the Shinkansen, uh, they were at first they were really, really noisy, just unbearably noisy. And they couldn't figure out what to do. Fortunately, they had an engineer who was also a birder, and he looked at the feathers of owls and used the design of how the feathers and, and the wings of owls work to be flightless, uh, to be silent at night, and used that to form the edges of it. And they looked at the kingfisher, you know, the fish that, that hover and come down <laughs> and the fish, uh, uh, and designed. The, the very front of the bullet train with that shape, with a Kingfisher sh- shape. It's incredible. Uh, th- this podcast was also talking about how biomimicry um, engineers are studying uh, the this, the process of decomposition and upcycling, trying to see how we can, as we build new resources, as we become more and more uh, Dependent on nature, on on something that can sustain itself over time, we are studying nature to see what we can learn from what has gone on for billions and billions of years. The transfer of energy from one dead animal to microbes, to bacteria, and again, to feeding the soil and growing new trees. Such is the kingdom of God kingdom of interdependence. Like the kingdom he is describing, Jesus' ministry is a shared ministry, an interactive ministry. He calls other people and invites them to lead with him. And look how they respond to that. Mark says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. What? There we go. We got Mark's word. We've talked about it before. Immediately his favorite word, euthos, euthus. It appears twice in this passage that we read today, 41 times in Mark's gospel of an entirety of 59 times in the entire New New Testament, 41 times. And it's effective. This language gives us a sense of urgency, a need to respond, a need to get up, and go just like Simon, and Andrew, and James, and John. These guys were in the middle of their work day. They were in their boats, and they were fishing. Some stranger comes along, and they leave everything. Some guy they've never met. We all have friends who have done things like this. People who have given everything up and moved away. Often those people have fallen in love. They've met somebody and they poof. They leave their old lives and go off to some crazy place. Follow someone to California maybe. <laughs> Last night we were watching. Uh, I was watching a little YouTube clips of, of like crazy, uh, you know, People either proposing or doing something, you know, to to show their love. I saw this one of uh, uh, the Chicago Bulls cheerleaders. There was one of the girls was like dancing, and then suddenly they all stop. Have you guys seen this one? Apparently, it's five million. Some of them people have seen this. Wait, so is she, she's dancing around like she's like part of a routine. Everybody like stops around her, and she keeps dancing. And it's like what's going on? And then suddenly the, a mascot comes out. And, like, unzips, and it's her boyfriend, and, you know, he proposes, and everybody cheers, and everything works out well. (laughs) (laughs) I also secretly kind of like the ones where it doesn't work out (laughs) well. But I... (laughs) Suffice to say, romantic love is a powerful thing. Last week in my daily devotional practice, I was reading through the Song of Songs, a.k.a. Song of Solomon, that ancient Hebrew poetry that describes love between a young woman and a man potentially as an allegory for divine love. And I love the urgency in that writing. I love the young woman who warns her sisters, the daughters of Jerusalem, of love's overwhelming effects, saying, do not awaken love before it's time. Because she knows that it will demand Everything. In a slightly more contemporary reference that I've used before, Rob Reiner immortalized a similar sense of love's urgency at the end of When Harry Met Sally, when Harry says, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. I think the disciples felt something Akin to that, an opportunity, a chance for change. I've talked about it a couple weeks ago, but I'm hooked on on Hamilton. Uh, I, I think the play is absolutely amazing, and I love how it conveys life's story, our struggles with one another. And one of the best known songs from that play is Hamilton singing My Shot. Shot, which in the play becomes, you know, it, it has a double, it's a double entendre for his shot that he gets in a duel in, in the later part of his story. But early in his life, he is saying the song saying, I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm not throwing away my shot. This is my chance to do something with my life. I'm not throwing away my shot. Ironically, Hamilton at the end of his story does throw away his shot. But let's hold on to that for a second. This is what the disciples felt. I am not throwing away my shot. I'm getting out of this boat. I'm going to go with this stranger and go see what it is he's enticing me to do. It's worth noting that the word Mark uses for the disciples leaving their jobs and family to follow Jesus is the same word that Mark uses for when they abandon Jesus when he is arrested not thrown away my shot. The same men who are called to follow Jesus here will leave Jesus, abandon him in his hour of need. It's interesting to note that Jesus' only stipulation was that the disciples follow. Again, in Mark 8, Jesus says that anyone who wants to be Jesus' disciple must take up his cross and follow Ironically, it is the women who follow Jesus at the end of his life, not the disciples. In everything from the Jesus story to Hamilton, from cinema to the courthouse, we were reminded that love is not all rainbows, hearts, and those valentines that are filling up the drugstore aisles. Love is demanding. If we are to pursue love, we have to sacrifice our individual comfort and live into our interdependence, live into this web of being. We're going to have to give some things up to leave some things behind, but it is worth it. This love, this kingdom of love, the kingdom of God is not like other kingdoms. In this kingdom, there's no government shutdown. There's no failure. Every turn toward love eternal reaches its mark. Even if our shot does not make the history books, even if love we show our partners and friends, and strangers doesn't make the headlines or go viral on youtube we know that love eternal wraps us entirely for all of eternity and that is good news it is good news because we are free from fear and isolation and empowered to be present to those who are suffering, to mourn with the families of the 21 people who died in the mudslides, to see the 91 people who died daily in our country from opioid overdoses, to listen to the voices of hundreds of thousands of women who marched all across the country in solidarity yesterday. Listen. Can you hear the good news? Amen.